Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Vet 1520. We have today a noted veteran with us. His name is Stephen Sams II. And I want to tell you about his military decorations. I feel like I'm having a general on the Rusk Report on the Vet 1520. He has the Army Commendation Medal with Bronze Cluster, Army Achievement Medal with Bronze Cluster, Army Good Conduct Medal, National Defense Service Medal, Afghanistan Campaign Medal with Campaign Star, Iraq Campaign Medal with two Campaign Stars, Global War on Terror Expeditionary Medal, Global War on Terror Service Medal, Valorious Unit Award, Army Service Ribbon, Overseas Service Ribbon, Navy Sea Service Deployment Ribbon, ISAF NATO Medal, Expert Rifle Marksman Badge, Cavalry Scout School, Marksman Instructor Range Safety, Suicide and Crisis Coordinator Armor, Army ACE Instructor. Unbelievable. Our guest today, Stephen Sams, noted veteran, and we're going to talk all about the situation overseas with the military, and I'd like to first uh, talk about Afghanistan, as you are an Afghanistan uh, veteran. And uh, let's talk about the failure. Why was the military taken out first and not last? Uh, in Vietnam, I believe that when they're on the rooftop of the embassy, the last people to leave were military. So tell us, why was the military taken out first? Well, Brian, a lot of things with the military, um, people think that it's it's us that makes the decisions. Ninety uh, percent of the time, that's not correct. Um, we get our orders and then we follow them, especially with a situation like the Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, there were people on the ground saying that we needed to stay, we needed to keep a contingency force, we needed to do X, Y, and Z, and their uh, input was thrown aside for whatever decision or whatever reason that was um, from from the outside looking in, it looked like it was designed to be a political football to be Spike saying, hey, we got out. Well, it was uh, uh, tragic. And then, and then there was the terrible attack at the airport where 13 Americans died. Um, a very uh, sad situation. Um, do you think that the president was ill-advised 
because when they had the um, interrogation of the generals, they said that 2,500 to 4,000 U.S. troops should have stayed. Biden said that the military agreed with the pullout the way it was done, but when they went before Congress, the generals all said 2,500 to 4,000 U.S. troops uh, should have stayed. Isn't that what should have taken place? Absolutely. Um, Bagram was an actual, it's a, I was at Bagram for a short period of time, and that is a strong base to be at. That was the best place we could have done evacuations from. Um, the, the president was, it was definitely advised in the proper manner. Um, there's, there's no way in my mind that he was ill-advised. Um, you saw the, the testimony at Congress. They said, we, we all said X, Y, and Z, you know, 2,500, 2,500, 2,500. Um, but they couldn't come right out and say, yeah, we said it, but they ignored us. But, yeah, we should have we definitely evacuated from Bagram, um, all of our U.S. personnel, and then our military. Yeah, it, uh, it was shocking uh, to me. Now, this General Milley, uh, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff was your commanding general when you were at Fort Drum. Um, some people say he's more of a politician than a general. Uh, would you say that's an accurate description? Um, I would say so. Um, general Milley, he was, throughout history, there's always been fighting generals. You know, the generals that have the respect of the troops, the generals that don't really care about the next promotion, uh, the, the the working man generals is what we call them. General Milley, um, you know, I thank General Milley for his years of service, but throughout the last few years of his career, you could tell he was just looking for the next step. And that's the, the clear sign of a political general. Yeah, I remember when General Westmoreland was in uh, Buffalo about 20 years ago, I was honored to escort him to the Vietnam Veterans Leadership Program luncheon, different TV stations, uh, Buffalo News Editorial Board, many stops. And um, he didn't seem to be a political general. He was upset, uh, you know, 20 years after the Vietnam War that the President of the United States would call him in the middle of the night and tell him to bomb here and bomb there. And he asked President Johnson, why, Mr. President? He said, because I saw it on CBS TV. Don't you think we should show more respect to the military generals, the fighting generals, that they have more knowledge and understanding of what they're facing instead of the politics or the media in the United States? Well, it's, it's not just the generals. Um, for example, take Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. Um, he's, you know, he's a fighting man. He's an officer that took a chance and took a risk, and he, he got in a— he got in trouble for it, but, you know, he's, he's the kind of patriot that, you know, our military should pay more, you know, homage to um, instead of the politicians. But that's just part of the, the, the political game that's trickled down into the military. Uh, just we, we care more about who's on our side than who's actually saying and doing what needs to be done. Well, that, that, let's talk a little bit more about the— politics uh, in the military, doesn't this make generals scared to make the courageous and proper decision when they have to think about if this person's going to be elected or reelected or whatever? Uh, don't you think that 
politics should have absolutely no place in military decisions. No, politics should have nothing to do with the military. Um, unfortunately, you know, I've seen whatever uh, administration is currently in power, their political agenda trickle down into the military. Uh, whether it's the don't repeal it, don't ask, don't tell, whether it's the transgender ban, whether it's it's multiple different things. Uh, I've seen political pundits and political people use the military as a testing ground for their next agenda or their next policy. And all that does is it causes strife amongst the ranks. Why would the military have anything to do with transgender decisions? Isn't that a medical decision? Why would the military be involved? I don't understand why the military gets involved in sexual activity or sexual preferences. Uh, I can't get my hands on that. Well, that's, the whole part of that is that the military could care less whether you're straight, cis, transgender. You know, we, Nobody in the military cares what your sexual preference is. Nobody cares what your orientation is. The only thing that the military cares about when we're serving is if the person to my left and the right, I just need to make sure that they, they take care of me as well as I'm going to take care of them. That's the only thing that matters to us. The, the whole transgender issue, openly women in combat, all these different political stances are due to civilian over, overwatch of the military. The, the military is over, overseen by civilian control. Unfortunately, sometimes the civilian control, they all have their own political narrative and their political agenda, and that's, you know, that whatever they deem necessary is what actually ends up in the military because at the end of the day, we're adherent to the people. We, you know, we listen to the civilian population. We're learning a great deal from a noted veteran who has a list of honors uh, with military decorations, uh, two lists to enu too long to enumerate. Our guest is Stephen L. Sams II, and you're listening to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. A little plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Eagle has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And I believe you and your wife are Polish. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so you fit right into the Ampol Legal. Uh, newspaper. I'd like to thank our past uh, guests, which have prompted uh, calls to me, uh, General Bo Dias, Sheriff Tim Howard, and former New York State Chair Ed Cox. Coming up, we'll have Joe Winters with the Niagara University Family Business Center and author Stanley Drucker, who is speaking at Franklin Pierce University in Ringe, New Hampshire. If you're listening in New Hampshire, South Buffalo, or Montreal to our 50,000 watts of clear power, please write to Brian Rusk, the Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. 
like to read you a little about the biography of Stephen L. Sams II. He grew up and was born in the southern states of Florida, Alabama, and Kentucky, but Buffalo is what he knows and where he's from. He was mostly raised by his mother, with his father being in and out of his life. His parents were divorced when he was five years old. His father had a bad alcohol and drug problem, which is the main reason uh, that contributed. Uh, his family has served our nation for generations, both his grandfathers and his father and his two brothers and Stephen Sams and five of his cousins all served in the military. So we thank you and your family for your service to our country in the military. Um, you talked about bad decisions that were made uh, by different uh, political leaders in our nation. Um, what bad decisions did they make? Uh, what are you referring to, Stephen Sams? Well, if I went down the list, we'd be here for an awfully long time. Well, just give me a brief list. <laughs> just, in, in my time frame, I would say the, the worst decision that I've seen was at first was the Afghan withdrawal or the Iraq withdrawal. We, mm -hmm. uh, when I was in Iraq, the country was pacified. Things weren't, you know, things weren't completely peaceful, but they weren't terrible. And then when the first political football was spiked and the withdrawal from Iraq, we saw the rise of ISIS. And ISIS went through the country, and they did a lot of terrible things to a lot of people. And that's that's the first bad decision. And then we, you know, we figured we would have learned from that lesson. And then we saw what happened in Afghanistan. Another bad decision for a political narrative. What about Vietnam? Uh, don't you think it was horrible that we had General Westmoreland with one arm tied behind his back, that he really couldn't fight the war properly? A lot of military people say it could have been one in six months if the generals were in charge of the war instead of the politicians. Isn't that a, uh, a big mistake? Well, that's that was definitely the Vietnam War. There were a lot of things that that went wrong. The the main thing that went wrong is they wouldn't let the military be the military, and that that, that narrative hasn't changed since Vietnam. That was the same thing in Iraq and it's the same thing in Afghanistan. Now Afghanistan, it, it's the geographical area of Afghanistan is so very diverse that it's it's hard to have one battle plan which is why you need to listen to your battle commanders in the different areas, because they know what needs to be done. And when you tie their hands and say, we don't want you to do that, we want you to do X, Y, and Z, we want you to you know, win the hearts and minds or nation build or whatever task that they want us to do, that takes away from what we're meant to do. The, the, the military is meant to fight and win wars. That's it. We're not here for you know, photo ops. We're not here for political stances. We're not here for... You know, political narratives. We're here to fight and win wars. That's it. We're not here for a social project either. We're, we're we generations of so of soldiers come come and go, and one thing stays the same. We all care about our country, and we're all here to do one thing, and that's fight and win wars and protect our nation. Now, a few months ago, General Milley uh, spoke about uh, white supremacy. Why is this of concern? Aren't aren't people in the military all to be treated equally and on the same level with no bias uh, whatsoever towards white supremacy, black supremacy, Hispanic supremacy? 
aren't all military members so to be to be treated as equals isn't that what it's all about in the military i i'm i don't understand why general milley would be speaking on this topic when we're supposed to be all treated as one and as equals with the same respect and dignity brian that goes back to you um what you said with General Milley being a politician. I mean, that has nothing to do with the military. Um, when he says he wants to understand white rage and he wants to find find white supremacy and Secretary Austin saying they want to root out uh, extremism in the military, that's not what there, – there's, there, there's none of that going on. The, the military, we all care about each other. We all love each other like brothers and sisters. And dividing the, – the division that you see in the civilian world does not exist in the military. You know, we, we have differences between different units and, you know, different branches, but that's just a rivalry. That's, that's, that's just fun. We pick on each other, but we do it out of love and respect. And it, it has nothing to do, there's no hate and discontent between certain groups, or there, there is no groups. From day one, you're taught everybody is the same. You know, you have to earn your way all the way through. You know, you, there's no gender-specific, there's no race-specific, there's no, everybody's green, everybody's brand new, everyone works the same, does the same, everybody picks up a mop and mops the floor, everybody t picks up a rifle and goes to the range. I mean, we're all the same. So this narrative of white supremacy throughout the military is just another political thing that's thrown out there to, I have no idea, honestly, why they do it, but it's, it's, not, it's not existent. Now, you spent a whole generation in the military, so basically you couldn't care less if somebody is white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It, it has no um, difference to you in, in what a religion or race or gender a person is as long as they defend the flag of the United States. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, Brian, d during the, the time of when, when I first joined the military, they asked you what your sex sexual orientation was. Shortly after that, they instituted the don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. you know, we knew in our unit who was of a different sexual orientation than we were. We didn't care. We still went out with them on the weekends. We still had them over, you know, to our to our houses if we were married. And we we still did things with them because none of that matters to us. When you're in the middle of a desert getting shot at, somebody's gender or somebody's sexual preference is the least of your concern. So, and that trickles through the, the rest of your time with them. None of that matters. You, you don't care about where they come from. You don't care about their race, religion, creed, color, nothing. It, it just The only thing you care about, do you love America? Yes, I love America. And I do too, and then we're best of friends. And that's, that's how it goes. You know, we're, we've gotten so far away from what matters the most is our nation and our freedom that we that we fought for for generations and now we're sitting here trying to you know be divided by this group or that group and we we need to come back to what brings us together and the thing that brings us together is the thing that the military stands up for and fights for every day and that's the flag very good very good so this talk of white rage in the military you didn't see any of this uh, racial rage at all. Is that correct? That's 100% correct. Well, that, that is good to hear um, because, you know, if you watch some of these 
different political shows on television and, and listen on radio, you'd think that this is all the military's about, and this is very uplifting to hear that you as a military veteran who served throughout the world and in Afghanistan did not see this narrative, did not see this racism or prejudice or discrimination in the military. So that's very uh, good to hear, and I, I thank you for serving our country with such dignity with no discrimination and nor preference towards any uh, racial or religious group. Our guest today is Stephen Sams, and he is a military Afghanistan veteran. Um, he has so many military decorations. He joined the Marines in 2003, deployed to Iraq in support of Operation Phantom Fury in 2004. He joined the Army in 2007 as a cavalry scout, deployed to Iraq for the second time as part of the surge. During this deployment, Stephen Sams was injured and sustained, and sustained a back injury from a fall. He finished the last six months of deployment not knowing if he had a fractured vertebrae in his back. After his redeployment medical screening, he learned of the injury. After progress from medical treatment for the better part of a, a year stalled out, he was put on temporary disabled retired list in 2011. In 2012, he received notification, notification they wanted him to be put on the permanent retired list, feeling like he had more to offer his nation. He requested a formal review board to plead his case to return to service. He traveled down to Crystal City, Virginia, and had a hearing in Arlington before a three-person panel of full-bird colonels. He showed up in uniform with a past physical fitness test on his own dime. He won the approval of the board, and they approved his return to service. <clears throat> Noted veteran Stephen Sams. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Toronto, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note to the bet 1520. Please write to Brian Rusk, the bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. <clears throat> we always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. Let's talk about women in combat jobs. How can they handle them? How good are they at that? Stephen Sams. You know, there's there's different women from all different walks of life. I know some tough ones personally. Um, my mother and my cousin are, are a couple of those. My sister, too. Women in combat roles, that has been a narrative that's been fought for a long time. You know, if you ask the average, everyday fighting man, we don't care. You know, if, if, if someone can pull their own, then they can serve in whatever job that they want. You know, we're not it's not a boys club. You know, a lot of people think of the military as a boys club. It's not, you know, we, I've had friends of, you know, female friends. I've had male friends. I've had Hispanic friends. I've had black friends, you know, all throughout my career. And one thing is the same. Nobody cares where you come from, who you are, or what you do. The only thing that we care is that you can take care of the people to your left and right. And that you, you care, you know, about our country just as much as we do. So women in combat roles, I mean, it's it's there is an underlying stigma. Nobody wants to see a woman killed because we all have mothers and we all have sisters. And part of being American and part of being, you know, of, of certain generations is you hold women to a higher regard than you do men. You know, nobody wants to see a woman killed because, you know, it's 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 terrible. I 
I saw a, a female killed in, in combat in Afghanistan, and it's you know it's it, it still sticks with you. You know, when you see a man die, it's 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 almost expected. You know, it it doesn't have as as much of a bite as it does when it's a female. So that was that's the only downfall about women in combat. But a lot of people try and make it about well, women can't carry as much as men, and women can't do as much. No, there's women out there that can outperform men every day of the week, and those those are the women that will definitely go above and beyond. And there should never have been a separation um, in today's modern era between men and women. Well, that's uh, <clears throat> wonderful to hear. Your confidence in the female troops uh, as being just as capable as men. So you're very uh, objective um, and rational uh, viewpoint. Now this LGBT in the military, again, is this any of our concern? What sexual orientation someone has? I believe we're there to fight wars and win wars. Is the, there should, isn't it true there should be no place for this sexual discussion or orientation in the United States military? The military has no stance whatsoever on anybody's sexual orientation or preference we don't care never did it's not a military driven policy it's a civilian driven policy it's a political driven policy the military like i said before the military doesn't care what your preference is the only thing the military cares is can you fight and win that's that's the only thing that we care about and that's the only thing that we're really meant to do all the other stuff, the white rage, transgender, the, the LGBT, that's all political stuff. That's all driven from the, the higher ranks of politics. All right. Now, you uh, talked about misappropriation of funds. Are you talking about in the military that you've seen misappropriation of funds? What are, the, what are you relating this to? Brian, we, we had a lot of equipment in Afghanistan. You know, it's, it's America's longest war. Um, so obviously there's going to be a lot of stuff there. The misappropriation of funds is when, for example, there was a, a, a part in the military budget not too long ago that upgraded the Abrams tanks. Mm -hmm. All the tank commanders didn't want them, but they pushed it through anyways. I believe that's a misappropriation of funds. When I was in Afghanistan and we were retrograding, pulling equipment back from the outlying bases to the FOBs, we were opening containers of brand new stuff that had never been touched. We were opening it up to destroy it, so it didn't fall. Why would it. you be destroying millions of dollars in equipment that was perfectly good? I, I can't understand the rationale for that. Why? You know, we asked the same question. Why are we destroying billions of dollars of equipment? You know, so we're taking, you know, trucks that only had a few hundred miles on them and destroying them. And they're like, <laughs> well, it's, che it's cheaper to destroy them and build new ones than it is to bring them back. I've never heard of anything about that. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And now, why weren't the all the military um, pieces of equipment at Bagram destroyed? Why would you leave it to the enemy, to the Taliban, to take billions of dollars in our U.S. military equipment? Why didn't they blow it all up? I can't answer that question. You know, to every military veteran that served in Afghanistan, when we saw some of the things we saw, with containers upon containers of weapons and our vehicles that we, you know, we rode in and that we fought in and our Blackhawk helicopters being flown around, it boggles the mind of how this could have gone the way that it, it went. And even even the, some of the technology left behind, uh, it's 
it's going to be sent out to our enemies. They're going to they're going to reverse engineer it, and it's we're going to be in a in a world of trouble in the future. Yeah. It should have been it should have been destroyed, but you know that's what happens when you get put on a timeline. There's only so many things that you can do. Okay, I'm sorry we have to come to a close. We'd like to thank noted Afghanistan veteran Stephen L. Sams II. Uh, we thank him for his service to our U.S. military. Also, special thanks to Kevin Carr, director of production for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us about the truth in Afghanistan. Stephen Sams, Afghanistan veteran. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.